Hey Graphic Audio fans, this is Dwayne Beeman here with this week's Pick of the Week. My pick this week is the first book of one of our newer fantasy series, Peter David's Sir Apropos of Nothing, Book 1. Before we get into this book, let's go over the definition of what an anti-hero is. An anti-hero is a protagonist who lacks conventional heroic qualities such as idealism, courage, or morality. In other words, chances are that an anti-hero, at the core, is not a very good dude. That is why we were called the hero of this story, a guy by the name of Apropos, an anti-hero. Apropos is not a good guy at all. He is selfish. He thinks that heroes are dumb for saving people and doing what's right. He is a coward. He lacks morals. And he's a backstabber. Apropos has had a hard childhood. He is the result of a gang rape of a tavern witch by a group of visiting knights. His mom, in supporting herself in Apropos, becomes a prostitute in that same tavern. Apropos is born with a deformed leg, and the kids gives him all types of grief because of it. However, his mom sees great things in Apropos and believes that there is some sort of destiny for her son. Apropos doesn't want to hear any of it, especially when seeing his best friend, who Apropos doesn't really like, exhibit all the traits that the destiny guy his mom was talking about. Well, something bad goes down in Apropos' life, and now he wants to seek revenge. But you know Apropos is not going to do that himself, right? He is a coward, remember? So, Apropos goes to the court of King Runcible of Hysteria to get him to right some of the wrongs that were done to him. In a cruel but funny twist of fate, petitioning the king sets off a chain of events that leads Apropos as the squire to an aged derelict by the name of Sir Umbridge of the Flaming Nether Regions. And it just gets worse from there. Both Umbridge and Apropos is sent to rescue a psychotic princess who has the same moral code as Apropos does. Apropos, as we already determined, is no hero. What's more, he has no desire to be heroic. And yet, he begins to get thrown into position after position that requires him to do just that. Be a hero. How will it work out for Apropos in the end? You're gonna have to get the book to find out. This book is quite a hybrid. It's one of the darkest books that you'll ever read, and at the same time, is one of the funniest books that you'll ever read. Acclaimed author Peter David, known for his award-winning comic writing on series like The Incredible Hulk, X-Factor, and Aquaman, and for his writing work in the Star Trek universe, has created an incredible yet complex character in the form of Apropos. Director Scotty Mack, aka Scott McCormick, who is a huge fan of David, jumped at the chance to bring Apropos' world to graphic audio. Scott's directorial work on this title, with the help of the sound design talents of Justin Wirtz, has created a very entertaining production that had me laughing just as much as it had me cringing. Scotty Mack's portrayal as Apropos is one of his best, and when you have a great cast around you like Eric Messner, Terrence Aselford, Michael John Casey, Don Ursula, Marnie Penning, Nick DePinto, Jeff Allen, Elizabeth Jernigan, Doug Brown, Danny Stoller, Casey Platt, Colleen Delaney, and Bill Gillett, you know you have a very well-performed production on your hands. I can't say enough good things about this book. Therefore, I'm not going to, other than go grab Sir Apropos of Nothing Book 1 today. Let's listen to a clip of Graphic Audio's production of Peter David's Sir Apropos of Nothing Book 1. I had no idea what had just happened. 
or why they appeared so angry, and then I realized. From their point of view, I had just thrown the money on the floor in what could only be regarded as a gesture of utter contempt. I was about to explain, to drop to one knee and try to gather the coins up and beat a hasty retreat, and then... Oh, how dare you, you little whore's son. This, this is how you respond to my generosity. I have been patient with you. From pity for your lame state, if nothing else, but my patience is done. Out. Now. For once in my life, I felt truly empowered. My head was swimming with the giddiness of the sensation. Here was a knight, a highly ranked knight, surrounded by his fellows, getting himself into an uproar owing to a perceived insult by me, an individual who was so comparatively low on the social scale of hysteria that I might as well not have existed at all. It was as if I, a low-born, lame son of a whore, had been elevated to peer of a knight just by dint of appearing to be an ingrate. I didn't want to let go of this power. I liked making the knights mad. I wanted to do it because it gave me a twisted pleasure to be able to affect them in that way. Here I had been, subject to their sneers and clear attitude of superiority, as if I was shit on their shoes. They weren't sneering now. No, they weren't. How dare I? How dare you? How dare you call yourselves knights and lovers of justice? I spit on your offering! I spit on you! The burly knight was trembling with rage, but he was remaining where he was. I was presupposing that these mighty soldiers wouldn't want to sully themselves attacking a mere lame peasant. Have you forgotten where you are? Who you are? Who we are? This is Sir Justice of the Highborn. I am Sir Coriolis of the Middlelands. Who do you think you are to speak to us? I? I am apropos of nothing. And as far as I'm concerned, you can kiss my lame whore son ass. I figured this was the point when they would have the guards evict me. It was only when Justice and Coriolis yanked their swords free of their scabbards that I realized I had figured wrong. Now you're going to be apropos less of nothing. Less an ear, less an arm. Or maybe I'll just relieve you of that useless leg of yours. The softness in his voice was enough to make me believe, just for a moment, that he was still giving me a chance to leave. That was another miscalculation on my part, however, for without another word, Sir Justice charged. Although he wielded only a short sword, it made him no less dangerous, and I could see even from where I stood the razor sharpness of the blade. I also noticed, much to my surprise, that Justice was missing two fingers on his right hand. Coriolis was coming in as well, but from a different angle and a bit slower, clearly more than happy to let Justice have the initial pleasure of carving me to bits. Naturally, I did the only thing I could under the circumstances. I ran like hell. At least that was what I tried to do. But at that moment, everything that was wrong and had ever been wrong with me caught up in one shot. My lame right leg gave out and I wasn't able to recover because a staggering spell of dizziness went through me. I tried to reverse myself to clutch onto my staff and balance myself that way, but it didn't work. Instead, I tumbled to the floor, my staff still in my hand, but otherwise helpless. One would have thought that considering the fact that I was fallen, Justice would have backed off. 
but there was bloodlust in his eyes, his honor too much at stake, and he didn't slow his charge in the least. He came within a couple of feet of me, and, setting himself in a stance, brought his blade up and back like a butcher about to cleave the skull of a hog. But as my vision blurred, I realized I was still clutching my staff, angled up across my body, and that the dragon end of the staff was in proximity to Justice's crotch. I squeezed the handle. And the four-inch blade, rigged up by Tacit, obediently snapped out of the dragon's mouth, positioned no more than a cat's whisker from Justice's most vulnerable area. The snap sound of the blade was most distinctive, and the area from which it originated caught Justice's attention so that he was wise enough to look down and see his peril. He froze in position. Coriolis, on the other hand, didn't notice his associate's jeopardy and was standing nearby my waist on the other side, apparently ready to hack me in two. I wouldn't if I were you. Their view of what was occurring was partly blocked by the position of the knight's own bodies, but others were starting to draw nearer to the little standoff we were having, and their eyes bulged when they saw the predicament. You would dare! Coriolis's sword was still pointed to bisect me, but he didn't sound terribly sure of that. Your swords each have to travel approximately six feet down in order to strike. My blade, on the other hand, has only half an inch to its target and requires not much of a thrust to strike home. Even a dying jab will suffice. The question presented is, can you kill me before the lowborn unmans the highborn? It was, in retrospect, an impressive speech considering that every word was an effort for me to form. My tongue felt as if it had swollen to twice its normal size, and my voice sounded thick to my ears. But obviously I had gotten my point across, so to speak. No one moved. For a moment, I thought we might be there forever. If you enjoyed listening to the clip of Sir Apropos of Nothing, Book 1, you can purchase this title right here on our website, www.graphicaudio.net. The book is available in two parts, and you can purchase them in all available download formats, MP3, M4B, and FLAC. It is also available in audio CD format, and you can listen to your downloads anytime, anywhere, with our free Graphic Audio Access app, available for Apple and Android devices. Also, check out Scott McCormick's interview with author Peter David on a previous Behind the Mic podcast, where you can get the lowdown on how Peter David came up with the idea of Sir Apropos of Nothing. So check that out. Be back next week as I'll have another pick of the week for you. Until then, peace. Peace.